Ever since Element Church began, our main desire has been to make a lasting impact and to help people make a lasting impact as well. Our, our wording has changed in our vision throughout the years, but that end goal has, has remained the same. And today, uh, Element Church turns 12 years old, which is hard to believe. Yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome. Uh, one of the ways that we are celebrating is by kind of unveiling a brand new Element store out there in the lobby. You probably saw it when you, when you came in. I'd love to give everybody something for free to celebrate, but then we wouldn't have a store anymore. We have to at least cover the costs of goods and the taxes and keep it stocked. So if you want to buy something out there, we got uh, sweatshirts like this and another style as well. We got all different kinds of t-shirts. We have uh, I Heart Wyoming stickers and Element stickers to go on bottles and, and cars. We have, have journals like this out there. I mean, it's a whole new uh, un unveiling of, of brand new stuff. If you'd like to purchase something, that would be amazing. Uh, you can well wear the Element Church vision on uh, yourself, and, and that would be awesome. On, on this Sunday, 12 years ago, some of you were there uh, for the start. We held our very first public service in the movie theater in the mall, and what originally started with six adults in my basement has now grown to be the Element Church that we know and expect experience today, which is really, really incredible. If you're new here, by the way, uh, my name is Jeff Manis. I am the lead pastor here. And, and for everyone who's with us, even those joining us on video somewhere, just so glad that you guys are here. And you may not have known it, but you did come on a special day as we celebrate 12 years of ministry, but also look ahead into the future at who we want to be as a church as well. And speaking of the, of the near future, uh, I'm so excited for a brand new sermon series we're starting next Sunday. Uh, it's all about relationships. It's called Hashtag Single. And the tagline for the series is Finding Fulfillment No Matter Your Relationship Status. And in the series, we will be teaching a lot on marriage. I'm going to talk to singles on a couple of Sundays. One whole sermon will be about what does Jesus say about marriage and divorce. But really, the main focus of this whole series is for us to find fulfillment. And really, the key to fulfillment in life is not found in any one person, including a spouse. The key to fulfillment is having a single focus in life, hence the name hashtag single. So I would love for you to be a part of that. Uh, it starts next week. There are some invite cards for you on the chairs as well. Uh, so I'm just asking us all to take one of these and just pray. God, who do you want me to invite to church on Sunday? That's what I've been doing. And he's always faithful to lead me to someone that I can invite uh, to church. So please go ahead and do that. Today we're ending a sermon series we've been in called Why? And it's all about why we exist as a church. And every week in the series, we're kind of taking a chunk, a portion of our vision and teaching on that portion. So here's our vision on the screens in a statement. We exist to guide people to experience life to its fullest, connect into meaningful relationships, and make a lasting impact. And if anything has defined who we want to be as a church or, or why we exist, that impact piece has always been at the forefront. That's been it. Like from the very beginning, we have always said the community does not exist for the church. The church exists for the community. To, to love it and to serve it, to, to meet real needs in tangible ways, to make a lasting impact. So that's what we've tried to, to be for, for 12 years now. 
In 2009, though, we came across a nationwide study that was done on faith in every state. And that study revealed Wyoming was the ninth largest unchurched state in America per capita. Now, in our little state of 550,000 people, 340,000 people claimed none as their religion. Not only were they not Christians, they had no faith affiliation at all. On top of that, this study also revealed that, that while the, the nun category of religion was growing, those who identified as evangelical in their faith was on the decline. And listen, I, I'm fully aware that the word evangelical can be a trigger word for some people in today's political culture and climate in which we live. It can, it can conjure up some very negative images typically tied to political ideologies. And the, the, the true meaning, though, like the true meaning of evangelical is not tied directly to those political ideologies or those negative thoughts. And you need to know this if, if you don't, because here at Element Church, we are evangelical in our faith. And, and here's just simply what evangelical means. It means we believe the Bible is the word of God and is our guide to living life that a personal faith in Jesus, his death on the cross for our sins, and rising from the dead three days later, that faith in Jesus is the only way to receive the free gift of God's salvation and spend eternity with him. And, and, this is what's so important in understanding this word. A true evangelical, a true one, not only believes that as Christians, it's our obligation to share our faith, but it's our privilege to share our faith with the world and to serve the world because of our faith in Jesus. That we are to evangelize, hence the name evangelical. So I just want to kind of bring some meaning back to that word. It's important. So this 2009 study revealed that Wyoming was the ninth largest unchurched state in America. Those who claimed the evangelical faith were on the decline. Those who claimed none as the religion was uh, rapidly growing. And this, this study rocked our world as a team. Some of you will remember when we walked through this and how God began stirring something within our church family to do something about it. And yes, we, we were continuing to, to grow as a church. We were, we were seeing people experience life in Christ. They were connecting into meaningful relationships. We were continuing to make an impact in our community. But, but we began to, to ask the question, what if we could impact more than Cheyenne? What if we could actually impact the entire state? It was a God-sized dream and goal, and we've spent the last 10 years now trying to figure out how to do that. And yes, we, we have continued to serve the community that we live in, but we also started this thing called the I Heart Wyoming Initiative. It, it was our uh, effort to, to kind of partner with other churches, and we've done that. We, we've partnered with and are partnering with dozens of churches around our whole state, resourcing them by literally giving away over $200,000 in the last several years to, to help them kind of serve their communities, to, to meet needs in tangible ways, to make a lasting impact. And I'll just be honest with you today on this anniversary Sunday. As the pastor, sometimes I wonder, sometimes we wonder as a team, is this really making an impact? Is what we are doing really mattering? Like, are, are we moving the needle on this thing at all? 
And yes, I, I know that on a micro level, we are making an impact. We are definitely impacting individuals and individual churches. But on the, on the grander scale, on, on, a, on a macro level, is, is, is this even mattering? Are, are, we, are we making a difference? And then I heard something three months ago that blew me away. And I've been sitting on this for three months to share it on this specific Sunday with you. My wife, Sabrina, and I, we are driving up to Medicine Bow Peak for the day, which if you've never been there, do that. It's, it's, it's amazing. On the way, we were listening to a podcast called The Relevant Podcast. And on this particular podcast, one of the hosts was sharing some information about a new study done in 2019 on faith in America. So now 10 years later, this new study has been done. So with, with all that information and history about our church that I just shared with you, with that in mind, I want you to listen to this portion of the podcast that we heard. So go ahead and check out this podcast. Okay, so there is this article that just came out that says more Americans identify with no religion than ever before. So we've reached a, reached a new peak where there are more people who say they don't have any religion than ever have in the history of America. But the interesting thing is that three states out of our 50 have seen evangelical growth and have like really the churches are thriving there. And so that my question for you is, do you guys have a guess of what three states it is that have gone, gone up in evangelical growth? So it's declined in 47, but there yes. are three in which it's gone up. Yes. I'm, my yes. guess is that the Bible Belt has gone down because the I grew up in the Christian culture thing. I'm now, I'm leaving it. I think so the Bible Belt's gone down. I think maybe more of the secular states, maybe like California, nope. uh, maybe Washington, New York. Nope. I'm going to guess Texas. Nope. Go, go north. Colorado. Nope. Keep going north. North Dakota, Wyoming. South Dakota. Oh, yeah, Wyoming. Okay, so we have Wyoming. Wyoming. Um, Oregon? Uh, nope, but Cameron got it real close. He said North Dakota, but it's not North Dakota. Okay. I, I right. said North and South. but okay. It's South, South, Dakota. South Dakota. And then the last, the last one is not connected, is not one of the lower 48, if you will. Oh, why? <laughs> Wyoming, <laughs> South Dakota, and Alaska. Wyoming. And I won't make you Isn't guess. Isn't that amazing? It's awesome. So awesome. And listen, you should have seen Sabrina and I in the car while we were listening to this. Like, I wish you could have, I wish we could have had it on, on, on video. When she said there were only three states that grew in evangelical Christianity, I looked at my wife, I was driving, I was like, no way. Like, I was so hoping Wyoming was going to be one based on our history. And then when she said north of Colorado, I was like, no way. And we cut out about a minute and a half of them trying to figure out what was north of Colorado, by the way. They all need geography lessons. We actually cut the whole thing out. She said north of Colorado, and somebody said Minnesota. But they finally eventually said Wyoming. And man, when she said Wyoming, my wife and I, we erupted like, yeah! Like, we responded as if the Patriots just lost the Super Bowl. Can I get a witness up in here? I've trained you guys so well. I, I actually went and found the study that was online. Um, not only was Wyoming one of three states that grew in evangelical faith, we are one of only two states where it grew the most. It's awesome. 
out of any other religious affiliation, evangelical Christianity, the one that we hold to, grew the most. Now listen, I have no idea if Element Church had anything to do with those numbers changing in the last 10 years. There's no way for us to quantify that. I have no idea. All I know is this, that podcast inspired me to keep doing what we're doing, okay? Yeah. To, to keep making an impact, to, to, to keep serving our community, to keep reaching more people for Jesus and raising them up to be like Jesus. But, but, if we're going to continue being a church, if we're going to continue being the kind of people that make a lasting impact, I think we have to understand something about it, that making an impact is more than just what we do. Okay, Now, obviously, what we do matters. I get that. But what we do actually flows out of who we are. It's a, it's a deeper thing. That's the, actually the big idea for today. It's on the screens if you want to write it down. Uh, lasting impact does not begin with what we do. It begins with who we are. That, that what we do matters. I get it. Okay? But what we do flows from a deeper place in here of who we are. So the big question we're going to uh, address today is this. Who do we need to be to make an impact? Who do we need to be? to make an impact. This sermon bookends very well the one we started with because I, I posed a very similar question. We just use a different scripture to address it. So the main scripture today is Acts 4, 23 through 25, which by the way, this red journal is a sermon notes journal. There are six months worth of pages for notes in here and on it, it, like ha it lists the big idea, big question, main scripture, point one, point two, point three. It's kind of the, the style in which I preach. So if you want to pick one of these up to take notes, you can. Uh, if not, uh, anybody want this? They're available at the store. <laughs> If you, if you don't own a Bible, that was horrible, by the way. That was so mean. If you don't own a Bible, I would say we'll give you one as an anniversary gift, but we give them away every week. Uh, so if you want one, just ask for a Bible out in the lobby. They are totally free. That's the one thing we do give away is Bibles because we believe it's the word of God. Uh, for now, you can follow along on the screens here. They'll have all the scriptures. So a little background. Here in our main scripture in Acts, Jesus had already risen from the dead. He had uh, appeared to his disciples just as he said he would, rising from the dead and appearing to them. And, and all the believers, the 120 Christians that there were, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and the church was off and running, man. Like they were making a massive, massive impact. They were seeing thousands of people, literally thousands, putting their faith in Christ and being baptized, which by the way, if you've put your faith in Christ but have not yet been baptized, you need to sign up for baptism coming up. It is the next step for you to take, so at least sign up to have a conversation with the pastor. We'd love to talk to you about taking that step. But they were seeing thousands of people saved and baptized. They were serving those who were the least in the, in the community. They, they were loving those who were left out, the marginalized in the community. They were leading people who didn't know Jesus to put their faith in Jesus. Like where we're jumping into here is, is literally in the middle of perhaps the most exciting time in Christian history. It's what we're about to read, okay? 
And I, I know you might be here and you don't even believe in God. You're not a Christian. So you're like, well, that doesn't matter to me if it's exciting to, to Christian history. And I get that. And, and whether you believe in God or become a part of our church or not, like we're still going to love you the same. And, and I love it that you're here today. What I do love about the fact that you're here today and in this message and in this main scripture today, you're going to get to see a beautiful picture of what can actually happen when the church gets it right. A beautiful picture of what can happen when Christians actually get it right, which we need some help with that in today's culture in which we live. So we're gonna kind of jump in here. I'm gonna read verses four, uh, or verses 23, and we're gonna go all the way through verse 31. I'm gonna stop along the way because I gotta make some comments and explain some things, and, and uh, it's just the way I roll. So here we go, Acts 4, 23, uh, starting in verse 23. As soon as they were freed, which I'll explain in a second, Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them what the leading priests and elders had said. So Peter and John, they had been preaching in the name of Jesus and they were detained for it. Uh, by these religious leaders, these authorities of the day, they detained Peter and John and actually threatened their lives and they commanded them, don't ever preach or teach in the name of Jesus again. So they came back now to the believers and told them what the authorities had said. And then at verse 24, when they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. O sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. You spoke long ago by the, by the Holy Spirit through our ancestor David, your servant, saying, why were the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepared for battle. The rulers gathered together against the Lord and against his Messiah. In fact, this has happened here in this very city. For Herod Antipas, Pontius Pilate, the governor, the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were all united against Jesus and now thus united against his followers, your holy servant, whom you anointed. But everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. Now notice, they, they did not complain about their situation. They actually acknowledged God's control over it. Hello. Verse 29. And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us your servants. And if you're reading in your own Bible, stop reading right now and look up. Okay, I want everybody to stop reading where you're at. I don't want you to look ahead. Okay, because here's what I want us to do. What do you think they prayed for? Faced with opposition, they said, God, we are your servants. We are your people. We are your followers. So hear their threats against us, your followers, and give us, what do you think they prayed for? Lord, give us a reelected president or a new president, wherever you want to sit in that political realm, right? Is that what they prayed for? Lord, Lord, give us laws that work in our favor. Give us a Supreme Court that will give us more freedom of speech and freedom of religion and pass laws that match our beliefs. Lord, may our political party stay in control of the House and the Senate. Think that's what they prayed for? They didn't pray for any of that, by the way. They did not ask God for new leaders or authorities. We, we might pray for that, by the way. It's not what they prayed for. All of verse 29. And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great 
boldness. Everyone say boldness. boldness. That was better than first service. Give us great boldness in preaching your word. What? Like they were just commanded to never preach or teach in the name of Jesus again. In fact, Peter and John, the very reason they were detained was because of their boldness. Acts 4.13, it says these leaders were amazed at the boldness of Peter and John, and now these Christians are praying for more boldness, right? Verse 30, stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus, which by the way, this is implying that they were not praying for miracles, signs, and wonders to be done for themselves. They were praying that God would do this for those who opposed them, for those who did not believe. In essence, they were praying, God, show yourself to those who don't believe. We already got the faith. Show yourself to those who are threatening us. Verse 31. After this prayer, the prayer for boldness and for God to show himself to those who don't believe, after this prayer, the meeting place shook. Can you imagine? How cool would, how frightening would that be? The meeting place shook. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they, not just the pastors, they all preach the word of God with boldness. A lasting impact does not begin with what we do, it begins with who we are. So who do we need to be to make an impact? The first thing we've got to be is this, we need to be people of courage. Got to be people of courage. The word boldness, by the way, in the Greek language that this was written, it means confidence especially in relation to speaking, okay? Now, I chose to use the word courage here and not boldness because I think in our English connotations, the word courage has a more positive feel than boldness to me. Someone can be bold and still be a jerk, which describes a lot of professing Christians today, by the way. Just scroll Facebook for about five minutes. So courage, though, seems to have this sense that you're doing something good, maybe even doing something for the good of others. And that really describes what these early Christians were, were all about. Their heartbeat was that, that, that their boldness and courage was for the good of others, even for the good of those who were threatening their very lives. And I gotta be honest here. I'm so challenged by the courage of these early Christians, specifically the prayer in which they prayed to God when they faced opposition. They did not pray for safety. Nothing wrong with praying for safety, but they didn't pray for that. They did not pray for, for new leaders or authorities. Again, there may be nothing wrong with praying for that either. They just didn't pray for that. They did not pray for specific laws to be established in their favor or to promote their way of, of living and believing. They did not pray for the burden to be lifted. They pray for boldness in the midst of the burden. Thought I might get an amen there. <laughs> they prayed for the courage not to be right, but to do what was right, even in the face of opposition. I believe these early Christians lived out what we call one of our core values. Obedience is our success. 
that success is not determined by outcome, by who's for us or who's against us or who's in office or whatever, but by our obedience to God. Hear their threats, O Lord, and give us, your servants, great boldness, courage. A lasting impact does not begin with what we do, begins with who we are. So who do we need to be to make an impact? We've got to be people of courage. Not just being right. That's what the church is known for, by the way. That we, we know what's right. No, it's doing what's right. That makes the difference. Acts 4, 32. First part of verse 32 then says this. All the believers were united in heart and mind. So the second thing we've got to be to make an impact is this. We need to be people of unity. We've got to be people of unity. I've actually preached on unity a couple of times here recently, so I don't want to belabor the point here. I just do, I want to reemphasize how important this is and remind us of what unity means, what unity is. Notice in that verse 32, it says that all the believers were united in heart and mind. They were not united in preference and practice. That's impossible. Like there'll be close to 1,500 preferences in our church today. We, can't, we can be united in preference. I'll be the only one at church, right? Or start your own church and you be the only one and you'll have, be united in preference because it's only you. They weren't united in preference and practice, but in heart and mind. So it means this, unity does not equal uniformity. We don't all have to look the same way and, and, and act the same way to be united around a common goal. Unity, unity does not even mean agreement. It means alignment, that we may not agree on everything, but we are aligned around a common goal. And, and be encouraged. Don't think that these early Christians always got this right either, or they never struggled with this, because they did. Because two chapters later, in Acts chapter 6, it says, as the church continued to grow, okay, they were reaching people, reaching people, as the church continued to grow, it says this, there were rumblings of discontent among the Christians. I love that. That they weren't getting along, that they didn't agree. But, but somehow these Christians then, they still came together, they figured out a solution, and they aligned around a common goal to reach more people for Jesus and raise them up to be like Jesus, to make a lasting impact. And I want you to see what happens after they reunited, okay? Acts 6, verse 7, the solution has been decided on, and here's what it says. So, God's message continued to spread. And I'm reading behind, between the lines here. But I'm wondering, would, would God's message have continued to spread if they had not been unified? God's message continued to spread. And the number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem. And many, look at this, of the Jewish priests were converted too. That's huge, by the way. Like the same people who wanted to stop the movement of Jesus were now surrendering their life to Jesus. Why? Because making an impact, a lasting impact, does not begin with what we do. It begins with who we are. And these early Christians, they were people of courage that God gave them, this supernatural courage. And they were people of, of unity, so much so that the very people who killed Jesus now put their faith in Jesus. 
They were united around a common goal to reach more people, raise them up, and to make an impact. And then the section ends here, Acts 4, last part of verse 32 through 35. And they felt that what they owned was not their own. So they shared everything they had. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and God's great blessing was upon them all. There were no needy people among them because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. The third thing we gotta be is this. We need to be people of generosity. We need to be people of generosity. Christians should be the most generous people on the planet. I told you this in week one of the series, one of the hallmark characteristics of the early church was their radical generosity. I, I still cannot wrap my mind around the phrase we read, there were no needy people among them. That's amazing. Talk about making a lasting impact. Uh, they, they definitely lived out uh, the last core value. I've shared all of them now with this next one. They definitely lived out this core value. I've shared them all in the series. Leading the way in generosity. We serve a radically generous God. And I know there might be someone, legitimately so, you feel like, well, how's God been generous to me? For God so loved the world, he gave. His one and only son. So that anyone who believes in him doesn't have to perish, but can have eternal life. Like God gave the most radical gift that will ever be given. He gave himself to die in our place. So we serve a radically generous God and we're gonna be radically generous people. If you don't know, from day one of our church, we have stuck to a plan to be radically generous. We have a financial policy in place which says the first 10%, if you don't know this, the first 10% of every dollar that's given to God through our church, the first 10% goes directly into an outreach account that can, a separate account that can only be used for outreach to God's kingdom here in our community and around around the world. And that those outreach dollars, they fund things like the free indoor playground, Play City, which we have right next door to the main entrance out there. If you didn't know, Element Church owns Play City. We just let people use it for free all throughout the week. You can have birthday parties there uh, for a $50 cleaning fee, basically. You can have a, a private birthday party at Play City. We just say, hey, our, our community needs a free indoor playground. Let's just provide it. And it's done through the outreach dollars that we have. These funds support our food pantry, which is on the east side of the building. And so far this year, we have given away 3,489 stuffed to the brim bags of food for literally hundreds of families in need. Yeah, somebody should celebrate that. Awesome. These, these funds, they, 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 they go towards the dozens upon dozens of outreach events and serving opportunities that we have done and will do here as, as a church. And, it, and these dollars are now funding an upcoming opportunity. 
to make a lasting impact right here in our own community. Coming up on Tuesday, October 29th, we will be giving away 1,100 pairs of brand new New Balance tennis shoes to every child, uh, teacher, and staff member at three of the Title I schools here in Cheyenne. Now, not, not every child at these schools uh, comes from a low-income uh, situation, but we did not want anyone to be pointed out or anyone to be left out. And so we are putting brand new shoes on everybody who's in that school. And our, yeah, we should celebrate that too. I got more. So our, our outreach team has been working literally for months behind the scenes before this announcement to work with the, the teachers, the school leaders, and the district administrators to make this happen. We've actually received the specific shoe sizes of every person in those schools, so the shoes hopefully should, should fit as, uh, as well as they can. And we've been given permission now to go into the schools with those shoes. And I'll just say this. While we will not be preaching with our words about Jesus, make no mistake about it, we're preaching with our works, okay? That hopefully by putting shoes on the feet of children whose families literally cannot afford a new pair of shoes, we'll be pointing them to the feet of someone who walked this earth and died in their place, okay? So I understand there's nothing spiritual about shoes, but there is something spiritual about serving people. And that's what we're gonna do. So for those of you who give here, uh, our giving, your giving, ours together, it's funding these things. So thank you so much for, for leading the way in generosity, but we also have an opportunity here for us to be generous with our time as well. So there's two serving opportunities with this event. The first opportunity is on Saturday, October 26th, to prepare the shoes for delivery. There are only 75 slots available on this Saturday to serve, and I'm praying it will fill up quickly, maybe even today. At this specific opportunity, we will be unloading the shoes, organizing them, prepping them, and then praying over the shoes as well, that these shoes would point people to the feet of the man who died in their place is what we're praying, okay? And then on Tuesday, October 29th, we're delivering the shoes to the school. Uh, there are only 25 slots for shoe delivery. And so again, I'm just ho hoping, you can, uh, hoping we can fill those up quickly and, uh, and be on our way. You can sign up out at the Next Steps wall as soon as we're done, or you can go to our website, elementchurch.life, click on connect at the top, and then click on sign up. Why do we exist as a church? We exist to guide people, to experience life to its fullest, connect into meaningful relationships and make a lasting impact. And a lasting impact does not start with what we do. It starts with who we are. And for all of us, for all of us, I pray that we would be people of courage. Not just being right in our theology, but doing what's right. I pray we'd be people of unity, not always agreeing on, on preference and practice, but united in heart and mind. And I pray we'd be people of generosity. And listen, if we, if we live that out, if we live as those kinds of people, I, other people, I've, I'm fully aware, there are people in our community who may never believe what we believe. But oh, how I pray, church, that whether they believe what we believe or not, they will not be able to deny the good we bring to our community. 
Now they, they may never come to our church, ever. But oh, how I pray. They would be glad that our church exists in their community. That's who we want to be as a church. People of courage, people of unity, and people of generosity. Not just telling people about Jesus, but showing them. And listen, if you're here today and you don't believe in Jesus, not only is that the Jesus we follow, that's the Jesus followers we want to be. And if you want to know more about putting your faith in Jesus, we will not ever force anyone into a decision. But I want you to know what I said is true. God came in the form of Jesus, not just to die for the world, to die for you and me. And if you were the only person on the planet, he loved you so much, he would do it again. Do it again. So find me in the lobby. Find a staff member, a volunteer, a prayer team member in the back. And we'd love to talk to you about what it means to put your faith in Jesus. I love you guys so much. Uh, we've had 12 great years. I'm praying not for 12 more, but for 12 times 12 times 12 times 12 until the Lord comes back again. Amen. All right, I gotta get you out. I got get get you out of here. Let me pray for us, and then we'll uh, remain just still for a second. Got some closing remarks. God, you're amazing. Thank you so much, Lord, for the truth of Scripture that we are challenged by these very first followers of you. Lord, help me, help us, be people of courage, people of unity, and people of generosity. In Jesus' name, Amen.